Hi guys, welcome to the first ever episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. I'm your host, Jack Feldman, alongside my co-hosts, Ori Yachin and Sammy Krimstein. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Chatter underscore Cheap Seats Pod. You can get the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Anchor. Uh, we are currently working on getting the podcast onto Google Podcasts and Apple, Co- Apple Podcasts. So uh, in a couple of weeks, hopefully that'll be up. And since it's our first ever podcast, we just want to start with introducing all three of us. So I'll start. My name's Jack. Uh, I love sports. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to ESPN a lot. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan, but I like all sports. Uh, diehard Yankees fan, big Giants fan, big Knicks fan. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm uh, Sammy Crimstein. Super excited to be doing the podcast. You know, ever since I was little, I've always been, you know, into like doing sports broadcasting-esque stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge Chicago sports fan. Um, if you could see me right now, you could see my Cubs hat, which is basically always on my head. And, uh, yeah, super excited to be doing the podcast um, and excited for future episodes. Yeah, uh, I'll get things going here. I'm Ori. Uh, super excited as well to be doing the podcast. Um, really like uh, Baltimore sports. Super big Ravens and Orioles fan. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to do this. Uh, so, yeah, so let's get it started. So to start things off, I just wanted to tell a quick story. Uh, me, Ori, and Sammy actually met because we're all on the same baseball team together. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there, there are a lot of characters on this team. So throughout, throughout that, these episodes in the next coming weeks, you'll hear a lot of funny stories about our team. And so to start, I wanted to tell a story that a lot of people uh, know is the infamous Canes tournament story. So, so we had a tournament in, um, and it was like 90 degrees that day. We played like two games beforehand. It was on turf. So that makes like, that makes it like 12 degrees hotter. It was just really hot. We were all exhausted. And we were playing the Evo Shield Canes, who are one of the best teams in Maryland. And we just got smoked. We lost by like 50 run, 15 runs. Should have been, could have been 50 runs. Wouldn't have been that big a difference. We got killed. And anyway, our coaches were really pissed. Uh, our head coach is like a redneck from Florida. Our assistant coach is like this really smart guy and he's really into like exercising and like the science behind it. So he always has us doing these weird exercises. And anyway, we lose, they make us go behind the field and just like do the worst workouts for like two hours. Sammy, what do you remember about that day? Yeah. You know, um, one of the main things, uh, during the game, I could kind of feel that something was coming. Um, you know, it was just like, you know, uh, we definitely didn't deserve, uh, anything good after that game, but, uh, yeah, um, I wasn't expecting, uh, exactly the conditioning that we did get, but, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, was expecting a little bit of something after that, uh, one of those losses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we just did not play well at all, like nowhere near, uh, what we usually play. But anyway, they, I just remember, uh, this one specific, uh, part of it. I mean, it was two hours long, but, um, part of it was half the team would have to bear crawl a whole pole, which is going from one side of the baseball field to the other and back. 
And, you know, after a while, it gets very, very difficult. But the other uh, group, they had to do a wall sit on the fence uh, waiting for the other group to finish. And, I mean, it was just so difficult. And it, it was really funny because, uh, you know, in order to motivate us after a while because we were getting pretty uh, deflated, they would say only the first person to finish would get water. So that's just kind of showing you how cruel um, and unusual the punishments we got after uh, some bad performances on the field. Yeah, they split us up into two groups, and they made uh, half of us, like, run, and the other half do a wall sit or a plank or just, like, any, like, stand standing still exercise. And we, we couldn't stop until the other group finished their pull. And there's this one kid on our team, Kenny. If you're listening to this, I love you, Kenny. But he has, he has a tendency to get a little unmotivated at some times. And anyway, we were... We were in the middle of our plank, and I just remember Ori screaming at Kenny because he was, like, walking or slowly jogging at the last bit. And Ori, if you don't know, if you don't know Ori, he is just insane at planks. He can do, like, a 15-minute plank. So, I mean, the punishment was bad enough with all this exercise, and then I have to listen to Ori brag about how he could do this all day. I mean, it okay. was just, it was not I a mean, day. I mean, listen, like, when you see Cody... He's next to me. Another guy on our team. He's another kid. I'm super funny that. guy. Super, really athletic guy. But this man was practically crying while we were doing those planks. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty, pretty funny. So, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun screaming at you guys when we did that. Yeah, but but short story, uh, long story short, um, our coach is a, is a psychotic maniac. And uh, losing sucks. But let's get into the first uh, real segment of our show which is when are sports going to come back? So we're going to start off talking about baseball. And baseball, at the beginning of all this, it looked like they were very on top of the ball. It looked like they were going to be by far the first sport back. But now it doesn't look like that anymore. I mean, they've really they're, they've kind of, kind of gone into a standstill with the Players Association over money, which is just a bad look in this time to be arguing about money. I mean, it's, it's like billionaires versus millionaires. But anyway, the, the Players Association rejected the plan that the owners proposed. But they, um, they both agreed on the safety protocols for the 2020 season. So I'm going to read some here. Uh, one of them is regular testing of players and other uniform personnel. So what do you guys think about that? Um, I mean, that's, uh, that's a must, obviously. Um, you know, if you're going to, ha- I think it's what they're doing uh, with the KBO, which is, um, you know, returned in uh, Korea, the Korean baseball organization. But uh, yeah, that's, I-, I think, you know, super important. You have to test the players, you know, in a time like this, um, you don't want to do anything that could further risk more people getting sick or, um, you know, more people possibly dying. Um, and I think it's just testing is a must. And I think that's one of the things that is, not going to change. That's one of the things that they're definitely going to have to do um, for baseball and any sport to get back. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely a must. Uh, you know, player safety is 100% top priority for every single league trying to get back uh, to playing um, regularly. And I mean, it's going to be hard because, you know, just testing players is still not going to be enough. You know, you're going to have to test managers, grounds crew, umpires. There's a lot that goes into that. You know, you have to know where they are and who they're interacting with, not only on the baseball field 
or in the stadium, but also outside of that. Um, It's some of the reasons that I I just don't see um, a sport like baseball, which takes a lot of um, just people in general to make a game possible. You know, I just don't see something like that um, happening anytime soon. Yeah, and Ori brings up a really good point about the coaches and the umpires, that some of them are old. Some of them are in that 60 and up age bracket that the coronavirus is more deadly to. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle those players because the players are are not that at-risk population here. I mean, it is still there's still some danger, but the day, it's really the managers, the grinds crew, the GMs, all the older people, that's where the real danger lies. And it says here that they're going to have in-game temperature checks. So I wonder if they're going to put it up on the scoreboard like the radar gun and say, Flavor Torres, 98.7. And the, and the whole scoreboard lights up green for good, and everyone starts clapping. Yeah, and, you know, about the temperature checks, you know, those are obviously important and should be done. But, um, you know, temperature, you know, with, you know, the coronavirus isn't, you know, the be-all, you know, it's not like the only thing. There are a lot of people who can have it and can spread it out um, having a temperature. So... Then that just brings me back to my point, you know, that I was just talking about, and we were all just talking about um, testing is going to be super important if they want to do it safely because, um, you know, the temperature checks will help, but um, there are still people who can spread the virus without having a temperature or having any symptoms at all. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, like, even if everything they propose is going to happen, which, you know, doesn't seem extremely realistic at this point, but let's say that it does um you know they are proposing an 82 game season and from what i can tell they're not proposing to expand the playoffs so with the same number of playoff teams or something close to that do you think 82 games will be enough to uh show which teams deserve and do not deserve to uh take part in the playoffs i I do because i think i think with an 82 game schedule i mean obviously there are going to be some big big um big like uh, just outcasts of this. But I think for the most part, the, the teams that are going to be in the playoffs after 162 games are going to be in the playoffs after 82 games. And I think, I mean, like I said, there might be one or two outliers, but I think for the most part, like the Yankees would be in the playoffs, the Dodgers, all the big players would be in the playoffs at this point. And if the playoffs are the same as they would be normally, then I really don't think it makes that much of a difference. Obviously, there are going to be like, like there are going to be some injuries early on because players aren't going to be as well prepared. But I think for the most part, it'll be pretty legit. Yeah. And, you know, one of the most interesting things about MLB's plan is uh, the division realignment, which would basically um, a team in their division would only play within that division. And it's um, so, yeah, you know, some interesting things. You have uh, the Yankees and the Mets and the Phillies all in that same division. And then uh, that's the East, the Central, uh, Indians, Cubs, White Sox, and the Braves, which is a little strange. Um, I don't know why the, what the Braves are doing in the Central, but okay. And uh, yeah, and then you have the West, the D-backs, playing in the same division as the Angels, Athletics, Dodgers. I mean, it's definitely, you know, a different look for MLB. And what, you know, I've heard a lot of experts saying is that this is going to be a time, you know, if the season does happen this year, 
that MLB is going to try some things to, you know, I think the division realignment is one of those things, you know, will uh, just reshaping the divisions uh, be a positive, be a negative. Um, and they're probably going to be trying a lot of other new things um, that they wouldn't really be able to try otherwise. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think things like maybe some new rules trying to speed up the game, you know, something like that might, you know, come into play just because this is kind of like not a full season. But also I want to point out a team like the Nationals, right? First 82 games, you know, they are not the same team that they are at the end of the season, obviously. You know, they end up winning the World Series. So do you think something like that, you know, being taken away possibly from the playoffs um, is going to maybe deter fans or maybe hurt uh, the person, the team that ends up winning? Uh, you know, will it hurt their legacy? I think it will, but it shouldn't because I think everyone's in a really tough spot here because we all realize that whoever wins the World Series – people are going to say it's a BS championship. And I mean, to some extent it is, but I mean, there was shortened seasons before there was a, in 2011, the NBA lockdown when the Spurs yeah. won, no one says that the Spurs championship is BS in the 19 early late 1990s. Um, the, there was a strike in baseball and there was a shortened season. And I mean, people forget about it real quick. And I think that uh, the Nationals actually wouldn't have made the playoffs if in an 82 game schedule. But like I said earlier, there are, that's like very rare. I mean, that's a very rare case. I don't think that'll happen again. And people have to realize it's only one year. It's not something that'll last forever. And I'm that's looking true. at the, yeah, I'm looking at the, um, the other proposals here. And it says one of them is, is, um, players will not be able to shower in the locker room. So I find that really interesting because my dad puts down, a towel in his car so I don't get the car dirty after a game. I can only imagine a professional baseball player play after playing a game going into his brand-new $200,000 Lamborghini and getting it all dirty. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised your dad even lets you in the car after you're <laughs> playing baseball. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I kind of want to move on from baseball and talk about um, NBA. So yep. NBA obviously seems like the easier sport to um, – to start up again just because, you know, they're already in the middle of the season, you know. Yes, they can make the decision to go to the playoffs, but they don't need to play so many more games to uh, finish a complete regular season. And, um, you know, they don't have... They don't have something like grounds screwed that away. So what do you guys think of that? I think, I think yeah, yeah um, I mean... Oh, go ahead, Sammy. Oh, go ahead. Um, I, I, just, I, I think the NBA is uh, to bring back just because, um, you know, like Ori said, there aren't as many people that um, are involved in uh, maintaining a basketball game as there are uh, a football game, a baseball game, even like a hockey game, you know. Uh, base, uh, basketball is going to be easier. And um, the NBA has already um, been discussing, and I think they're getting pretty far with a plan to – continue the season uh in orlando and i I think uh disney world has something to do with that um so you know nba has a plan and i think they'll be able to get the season back sooner than later um whether they're going to pick up from the playoffs um or they're going to continue what they had left of the regular season i'm not sure but um we'll just have to see yeah we'll have to see that's true um you mentioned the nfl um yes 
uh, I think that the NFL is going to have an extremely tough time. Yes, I know, you know, they obviously have a lot of time until their season begins. But, you know, if things stay the way they are, um, do you see a way that uh, the NFL comes back? You know, it's 55 players on each team, 53. Well, the thing is, the one thing about the virus, people pretend like they know. Really, nobody knows when this virus is going to allow sports to come back. Because it's not that we decide we want to come back. It's when the virus decides. We are all on the virus's timeline. And people have to get that through their heads. And I think uh, football very well. I mean, we don't know. By the time football comes around, the virus could be a lot better. And football could be could be started like usual. Because they really haven't skipped a beat. I mean, they had the draft. They had exactly. free agency. I mean, they've really... Having the virus has not affected them that much. Yep. Um. Yeah. You know. Um. If I could add to that, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know if the NFL is going to be back just because. Um. You know the the states are. Um. A lot of states all around the country are possibly impulsively reopening, and you know, that could be a thing that um not only affects you know a lot of people affected by the virus, but I feel like it's going to inevitably affect the sports leagues. Um, I don't see a way that the NFL is going to come back in uh, September and operate, you know, like they always do. Um, Maybe they'll be able to get a full season in. Um, I'm almost positive that they're not going to start with fans. Um, Just seeing, you know, the way things are going right now. Um, But yeah, one thing I think is almost for sure, and that is the NFL uh, season is, is not going to look the same um, as, you know, nothing is really going to look the same um, once we get to this new normal that uh, people are talking about. Yeah, and I don't even know if, I mean, we don't know the next time that fans are going to be available yeah. at sporting events. I mean, we don't even know if at the start of the 2021 season, they're going to be fans because the virus, yeah. I mean, everybody's saying that the virus is going to have a, like a second kick and it's going to come way, back yeah, yeah second wave in like in September and uh, let's just move on to the next segment here, which is um, uh, it's just going to be hot takes. So it's any hot takes that anyone has. So any just strong or unpopular opinions. So uh, Sammy, me, Sammy and Ori all have one hot take that we're going to share with you guys today. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. All right. Um, so as we all know, NFL did have a draft. Um, it was very exciting, very entertaining uh, for what it was, although online. Uh, watching Roger Goodell in his basement on a couch was pretty fun. Um, but now, we all know what happened. You know, you had Tua go, you had Joe Burrow, you had Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, a lot of big quarterbacks. But I want to talk about one in specific. He was drafted number six overall out of Oregon by the Chargers. His name is Justin Herbert. Now, my odd take here is that he is going to be and Johnny Manziel-esque bust. Um, and yes, I know that a lot of people do believe in him. I mean, he was drafted number six. Um, there are reasons for my doubts in his ability uh, to perform in the next level. And it comes down to film. You know, when, when you look at the film, you see... Accuracy issues. Now, accuracy issues are okay. They do happen. Uh, you know, uh, you look at a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, obviously came out with accuracy issues, had accuracy issues, 
but obviously he won the MVP. He's come through a key. He's come over, uh, those accuracy issues, but you know, the reason Justin Herbert has accuracy issues is what, you know, is, um, troubling. And that's super inconsistent mechanics. You know, one play, he will have a perfect throw right over the back, right where nobody else can touch it, but the wide receiver. And then the next exact play, the next play, he will have a completely different throw and it will go wild, you know, and a lot of people will point to his incredible stats. Yes, his stat line was great, but he only, he threw 99 screen passes out of 428. That comes out to 22 something percent. And that's the most by any NFL quarterback by far. It's over 5% Kyler of, of the next one, which is Kyler Murray, you know, and that amounted to 808 yards, um, you know, eight touchdowns. So it, it really boosted his stats, um, so yeah, so that's why I believe Justin Herbert will uh will be a bust. Yeah, um I'm actually going to go ahead and agree with you and I I thought that your uh the point uh you know, your parallel maybe to Johnny Manziel is uh, interesting because um uh, you know, what happened to Johnny Manziel was um he was getting away with things in college that um he would just wouldn't be able to do in the NFL, you know, make just making these bad throws that were caught. I mean, he had a great receiving core. Mike Evans was in his receiving core, you know, and, you know, he was able to get away with a lot of bad habits because um, college defenses weren't as good and he had a solid receiving core. And I think Justin Herbert, you know, may be a little bit of the same thing. You know, you were looking at his mechanics, inconsistent, you know, if you have inconsistent mechanics uh, coming into the NFL, it's it's going to be tough to change, and it's going to take time. Now, maybe the Chargers um, have a plan, and maybe they um, really know how they're going to use this guy. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go and agree with Ori because there are definitely a lot of QBs that uh, have put up huge numbers in college, and uh, it just it didn't work out in the NFL because what they were doing in college would not translate to the NFL. Yeah, and I have to agree with Ori also. I think the biggest thing in going from college to the NFL is accuracy and mechanics. And those are the two things that are the one thing really that Justin Herbert struggles with. I think there's a big difference between one foot down on the sidelines and two feet down on the sidelines. I think you see it in a quarterback like Jameis Winston. Uh, We all know he has big play potential. We all know he was a fantastic college quarterback. And he does. I mean, in the NFL, he could turn things around. I mean, he definitely thirst for a ton of yards and if he cuts down on his interceptions he'll be a much better QB but I think Justin Herbert is going to kind of have the same issues I mean he's we all know that he has raw talent and he was a very good college um, football quarterback but when he goes to the NFL I think he's going to struggle with accuracy hitting his targets I think he's going to throw a lot of interceptions and we're just going to see how it works out but we're going to go to my hot take now which is about baseball and the Nationals so my hot take is that I think the Nationals are going to have a huge um, World Series hangover. I still think they're going to be a competitive team, obviously. I think they're still going to be in contend. They're still going to be, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think there's no way they'll make it to the World Series or win the World Series. And I think that they're, that I would not be absolutely shocked if they missed out on the playoffs. Now, I don't think they're going to miss out on the playoffs, but I wouldn't be shocked if that happens because, I mean, they're very, 
inconsistent team. They got hot at the end of last year and everything just clicked. But at the beginning of the year, I mean, they were awful. They were terrible. And if they get off to even somewhat like the same start they did last year, I mean, with an 82 game season, they're not going to make the playoffs. And with that being said, I think they will make the playoffs. But I think the main reason why I'm saying this is I think Anthony Rendon, the loss of Anthony Rendon is just too big of a loss to overcome to win the World Series. I think he had a 6.4 war and a 412 on base percentage last year. That's insane. That is, he's one of the best third basemen in the MLB. And now you're going to a guy like Sterling Castro, who isn't a bad player. I mean, he's, he's a pretty good player. He hit 270 last year, knocked in 80 something RBIs. But the problem is he had a 1.4 war, which is a five difference than Anthony Rendon's. And that's a big deal. That's five less games won by the Nets, if you believe in advanced analytics. And obviously, it's not perfect. You can't base everything off of that. But it is one factor and one piece of the puzzle. But what really worries me about Sterling Castro is his on-base percentage. 270 is a decent batting average. He hit more than 20 home runs. If you look at all those stats, he looks like a good player, right? But he had a 300 on-base percentage, which is awful. That's awful. And I think that's just... I mean, the, the type of caliber player from Anthony Rendon to Sterling Castro, I mean, I was shocked when I saw that he had a 300 on base percentage. That is just, that's not going to work. And then you look in the playoffs, they have, I mean, they ha- you have Anthony Rendon, who was the most clutch player on the Nats from a position player standpoint. You can make a case for Juan Soto, but I think without Anthony Rendon, they would not have won the World Series. And you look at Juan Soto, you had those two big hits one in the wildcard game, one in the ALDS game five against the Dodgers. But really, he batted 250 in the postseason. So his numbers are a little, his perception is a little messed up when you think about it. Because if you take away those two big hits, which I know they happen, you can't just take them away. But next year, he might not get those two hits. And then he'll just be a bad postseason player. But the Nets, essentially, they brought back their roster from last year, minus Anthony Rendon, plus the additions of Sterling Castro, Eric Thames, and Will Harris which sounds fine, but I mean, it means the Nats have less impact level talent and a greater reliance on aging veterans. They have the oldest roster in the MLB. 13 of their projected position players are at least 33 years old. And with with the heavy workload from October that Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin had to go over, and now being less prepared for the season, I think the odds that one of them get hurt, or I would put them very high. And I think if one of them gets hurt, that's going to be a big deal I think the Nats just are in a very deep team they have an awful bullpen one of the worst bullpens in the MLB I think they're just I mean I think they're going to make the playoffs but I think once they get to the playoffs they just don't have the position players they don't have the depth their bullpen isn't good enough I think last season I don't want to call it a fluke but I think everything just clicked into place and I just don't see that happening again yeah um you know one thing that you know is really just weird to think about the nationals is that they weren't really supposed to win a world series last year. No. Like, I mean, I, I think they probably had playoff hopes going into the year for sure. I mean, a very talented roster, you know, Juan Soto kind of coming up, um, did great things. So, but I mean, I don't think at the beginning of the year, um, it was a very realistic goal for the nationals to win a world series. And they did. And, you know what I'm thinking. I don't know if that that is going to end up hurting them or helping them, because you know you wonder now are they going to be um, treat themselves when it comes to trades and free agency as a like 
World Series caliber team because they're not. I mean, I could probably name at least 10 rosters that are more talented than the Nationals are right now. I mean, they're not the most talented team in baseball, and that's a fact. Um, but they won the World Series. So, you know, going into the future, you know, I'm kind of thinking past this. Going into the future, you know, are they going to kind of uh, work some more prospects up? Because you know, they have some good ones. You know, you have Robles, who's, I think, going to turn into something very special. Soto, who's already turned himself into something very special. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you just wonder if, um, you know, if you look. Yeah, if you look at their farm system, they have Carter Keboom, who's a very good prospect. But other than that, I mean, they have so they have Soto and Robles, obviously, in, on the major league roster. But they don't have that good a farm system at all. But I mean, look, Carter Keboom shortstop, right? He becomes what they think he'll be. You have well, you have Trey Turner at shortstop. Well, yeah, but I mean, Trey Turner, he's obviously not the long term solution. Yeah, he is. He's young. I th- I think you put Carter Keboom in at third. You think you put Cardi? Okay, well then, yeah. if you put him out there, then you have the left side of the infield. Then you have most of the outfield with Juan Soto and um, Robles. And Robles. Yeah. And then you got Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. Well, Max Scherzer is old, though. You the man really is ageless. He's gonna. He's a god. He's not even human. All right. He has. T- he. You can't even like put age on him like it's just i mean he could yeah, be 20 yeah. or 40 like i don't think it matters to him i mean you can't you can't see that though because he's he's fantastic he's ne- i mean every year he's had is good but last season he had some injury concerns and now he's another year older he's getting to his late 30s i mean you got to start thinking about that him with his injury concerns and strasburg one of the most injury prone p- pitchers in the mlb i mean especially in the shortened season after what they went through in october the odds are one of them is going to get hurt. And if Strasburger Scherzer goes down towards the end of the season, that's devastating. Yeah, they're done. I think, I think there's a good chance that happens. I think they need those two guys firing on all cylinders for the whole season for yeah. them to, to have a chance at anything more than just a, just a wild card. But um, that's what, you know, that's what the Nationals have, you know, have had going for them, uh, you know, these past, I don't know, like – four or five years maybe uh maybe even three four years um just that starting rotation has been just one of the best consistently i mean they added corbin a few years ago scherzer strasburg has been in dc for like over a decade now you know that starting rotation has always been solid and you you know if scherzer you know has another fantastic year which he very well may um then I think the Nationals um, will be a playoff team. I think a lot of what is going to go on in that organization in the future is going to be dependent on what the starting rotation does, you know? And, and I think they will be a playoff team. I just don't see them going far in the playoffs. But, Sammy, you want to get to your... I do. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I also have a baseball-related hot take. Um, and as a Chicago Cub fan, it hurts for me to say this. I, I, I really... Um, I hate the White Sox, but the White Sox, who finished at 72 and 89 last year, third place in the AL Central, I believe just by looking at who they have, what they did this Ooh, offseason. This is interesting. I think the White Sox are a playoff team. And I, I don't, I mean, they've had, I mean, one of the best farm systems for a long time. And uh, first, let's just take a look at what they have right now. Uh, so at third base, uh, you have Yon Mankata 
who uh, just came off of a really nice year. He got on base 37% of the time. And one of the big things with Mankata is that he struck out a lot in 2017 and 2018, 32 and 33% uh, in those years, respectively. But he brought that down to 27 in 2019. Now, he's still a young player. Uh, that's a good 6% drop in strikeouts. And if he could continue doing that, um, Mankata is going to be a really solid player, which he already is. Um, and then, of course, Tim Anderson, who uh, has kind of made himself one of the more exciting uh, young players in the game. Um, you know, it's really fun to see what they already have. Um, but their additions um, are some of the more important things. Uh, Yasmani Grandal coming from Milwaukee, kind of an overlooked season. He finished um, top 20 uh, in the MVP vote last year. Uh, he, had, he was top 20 on base percentage, 38%. Um, he made his second All-Star game, hit 28 home runs. So Grandal, really nice addition to that lineup. Um, and then you have Edwin Encarnacion, who is uh, growing old for sure. But um, last year... Not, he's he was not with, done yet. Exactly. That's right. Because last year, uh, you know, started in Seattle, made his way to New York, and he put up uh, a 132 OPS plus, which is essentially uh, 100 would be an average player. Um, so he essentially, uh, in Carson, in, as old as he is, Edwin is still 32% above um, offensive in offensive productivity. I mean, he hit 34 home runs last year, so he still got it in him. Uh, Eloy Jimenez uh, had a good rookie year, was fourth. Uh, in uh, Rookie of the Year voting, 31 home runs. Really impressive. A good lineup. And a really, uh, without, the most interesting, I, most interesting thing I found about the White Sox was Luis Robert. Have you guys heard of him? Yeah, he's fantastic. Oh my Young. goodness. This guy, he, he's something special. Um, he's been in this organization for a few years. Um, last year, 2019, he started in advanced day. He hit 453, eight home runs with an Jeez. OPS near 1.5 in 20 wow. games. Wow. In, make that 19 games, actually. Uh, this kid's a stud. He worked his way uh, in one year up to AAA, um, and he's a five-tool player, reigns in the outfield. Um, he's fast, of course. He hit a ball last year over the batter's eye. He has serious power. Um, and he, I really think he has superstar potential. And if he could do what the White Sox want him to do, that lineup could possibly be very scary and very underrated. Um, but of course, a good lineup uh, is not all you need. Uh, Gio Gonzalez, very good uh, addition this offseason. You know, obviously, is it's not his best days. Uh, those were in Washington as when he was kind of the sidekick to Steven Strasburg. But, um, He's still a very good pitcher. Dallas Keuchel, a little bit of the same story. Had that Cy Young caliber year in Houston a few years ago. Hasn't been the same since, but still a solid arm to add to your rotation. And then Lucas Giolito. This guy throws mid-90s consistently. Has a nice 12-6 curveball. Uh, he was top 20 in strikeouts last year, understandably. Um, uh, 
and their bullpen. They add Steve Ciszek from uh, the north side of Chicago, from the Cubbies. I mean, the White Sox are a team that could possibly be a threat that people aren't expecting. That's what I'm saying. What do you guys yeah, think? I think I think the White Sox, one of the best farm systems in baseball, they're willing to spend the money. And Lucas Chialito, he, at one time, he was the number one prospect at baseball in baseball. He fell off. He's fantastic. Yeah, I was at his debut with the Nats. Oh, just got absolutely rocked. It was awful. He was in. Yeah, I mean, downpour. He had a but, rough start to his career. And then, you know, like, like you're saying, you know, he like, he turned it around last year. He had a phenomenal year. Yeah, I mean, the guy definitely has a bunch of upside and he's starting to, you know, play on that upside. Um, as you can see, we all have pretty fun hot takes, but let's go to Jack. Um, I know you have something. Yeah, I have. Each of us have our own segment. And so the first one of, our, of us three, and I think you're really going to like these segments, is Jack's dumb Twitter takes. So each day I'm going to scan Twitter for the dumbest, just, just, just an absolute idiot take. Just an idiot. Just like the dumbest take on Twitter. And I think I found one here. Damn. Uh, Robert L. Floyd at Dump Flying Elvis says, Michael Jordan is not on my top 20 basketball players of all time. Nothing to be ashamed of. MJ is very good and sickly overrated. I mean, this is insane. Uh, I'm looking at Bleacher Report's top 20 basketball players of all time. In this guy's opinion, he thinks Stephen, Stephen Curry, great player. Kevin Durant, also great player. Uh, um, Will, just so many just players that are fantastic. Kobe. Uh, a lot of, yeah, yeah, everyone. I mean, he thinks they're all better than MJ. And I think everyone else on the planet unanimous, unanimously agrees that MJ is either the best player or the second best player. I mean, yeah, you, you got to be doing something right if you get a big documentary about you, uh, as we know. Um, yeah. Last Dance. Yeah, let's get into that. Um, last Dance just came. Oh well, it didn't God. just come out, but it finished uh, pretty recently. And Ooh. man, did I enjoy watching that. Uh, you know, really seeing, you know, from someone who couldn't obviously watch MJ live or anytime when he was actually playing, you know, I've always heard about the Bulls and MJ, but now I really got to uh, feel like I was living in it. And I, I really enjoyed that documentary. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, as a, um, as a Chicago, you know, sports guy, it's, it was like, Oh my God, it was so fun to see the Bulls. So dominant. Um, Michael Jordan, so dominant. Um, and you know, I just loved like all the little stories and um, the things that we did not know before. One of the most, and you know, I'm sure you guys remember this episode. It was one of my uh, favorite moments was it, with the, during the dream team Olympics. I, uh, I, re- I thought, it, I, I thought it was interesting how a lot of the guys thought that they played one of their best games ever in like a practice facility. Yeah. I think it's like, man, it's like, I bet a lot of some of the great games of all time, no one's ever seen really. And yeah, no just, pressure. Oh my! I, yeah, and I just, I just want to talk about the last dance. I mean, I think Scottie Pippen did not look good. I think Horace Grant did not look good. I think MJ looked like MJ. I mean, he's a guy that it's not always. He's not a nice guy. He will do whatever it takes to win. And I mean, I really think, like when when you see MJ do this stuff, I mean. Some of it was awful. I mean, when Horace Grant had that bad game on the plane afterwards, MJ didn't let him eat. I mean, it's just kind of, he's just a cruel guy. But I mean, it all goes into what makes him just the most competitive 
professional athlete on the planet and just his will to win. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked how the documentary really uh, it captured um, both sides. You know, it was like, it, it made it clear that Michael Jordan was um, one of the most competitive uh, players ever to live um, in any sport. Um, but then it also highlighted a lot of the negative aspects of him being competitive, which, you know, yeah. like you said, the Horace Grant story, the Steve Kerr story where Michael uh, whapped him in the face, I guess. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, but like I said, that's, that's my favorite part of shows like this. Just like the little stories that you just, you had, you didn't know even existed before. And now it's kind of like you're in it. I love The Last Dance. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really cool. I just thought how, you know, they didn't try to make, they didn't try to glorify Michael Jordan. They didn't try to, you know, paint him as a bad guy. They just painted him as who he was, you know? Exactly. Right. And, that, and that's polarizing. And that's someone who, you know, you're not always going to agree with. But at the end of the day, he has one goal. And that's, uh, you know, for his teammates to play the best and for his team to win. Um, and I, I thought that that mindset is, is a really interesting one. Yeah, and that's actually going to bring me to uh, my little segment, which is on this day in history, in sports history, rather. Um, so, yeah, I was looking, um, and today in sports history, Michael Jordan won the MVP award in 1991. And, um, yeah, you know, like I said, the last dance was great, and um, it was just great to be able to see Michael Jordan and how dominant he really was. Yeah, I think I think uh, now we're going to get into Ori wanted to talk about this. Ori thinks that LeBron is the greatest player of all time. So you want to get into that here, Ori? All right. Well, I mean, as Sammy said, you know, that uh, that uh, that event, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy what some of the things MJ did. But, you know, I'm I'm unbiased. Right. I feel like I'm unbiased, at least. Yeah. Um, and um. I just feel that if you look at the numbers, which are one thing that just does not lie, LeBron is better. Let me take you through some of those numbers here. So points, all right? When it came to points, Jordan scored more, all right? LeBron, 27 points per game. This is regular season stats. Um, and Jordan, 30. Now, that's only a three-point difference. You know, that's not a big deal. But when it comes to rebounds and assists and blocks, it all goes to LeBron. Actually, uh, with the blocks, that's wrong. Uh, they both averaged 0.8 blocks. Okay, but okay, but who had who had the the backboard block in the finals? I think only LeBron. One play, one play. LeBron. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. But my point is, is that LeBron is the goat because he wasn't great at one thing. Jordan, although was good at everything, he was great at scoring. But LeBron, he was great at every single aspect of the game when it came to defense when it came to scoring boards assists um and also when you are looking at uh one one singular player's impact on a team lebron's is just greater um you know michael after he left the bulls they still made a game seven eastern conference final right they still almost made it to the finals without uh jordan and that just shows you know how amazing um, the players he was with, you know, he got to win championships with um, with Pippen, with Rodman, both Hall of Famers that are regarded as incredible players. LeBron, you know, you can't really argue. He just had less of a supporting cast. And that's just a fact. 
And, you know, when he left the Cavaliers, um, I think they only won 19 games. And when he left the Heat, they won under 30. So it's just it just proves that LeBron had a greater impact on a team. You know, he made the finals eight straight times. Um, and I, I think that is what uh, being the GOAT is all about. Okay, I'm going to get into my case here. Uh, sorry, Sammy. I just I got to say this. Ori, oh, my God. You said that LeBron that LeBron played with less of a supporting cast. I mean, obviously, Kyrie Irving is not Dennis Rodman or Scottie Pippen. Still an all-star, fantastic player. Kevin Love, good player. And when LeBron left, so did Kyrie Irving. So you cannot say that. The reason LeBron leaving was the reason why they won 14 games. I mean, I, it was a big part. But and then with the Heat, you got Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And when LeBron left the Heat, Chris Bosh was a show of himself, and so was Dwayne Wade. And I think you said that okay, but the points. I, I just, oh, you said, let me finish. Let me finish. You said that the points per game is not a big difference. It's three. Well, the assists per game isn't that big a difference. It's Jordan at five compared to LeBron seven. Jordan averaged more steals. He was a much better defender than LeBron. Yep. Uh, Jordan won uh, Defensive Player of the Year a ton, a lot of times. And also, I mean, Jordan had to play in a much tougher era. You had the Supersonics. You had the Pacers. You had Magic. You had Bird. You had... Bad Boy Pistons. Bad Boy Pistons. They would knock you to the ground. Refs would not call fouls, which Jordan would average a lot more points if the refs called some of the fouls that LeBron gets. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, this is kind of seen in the documentary, too. But, um, you know, in the beginning part of Michael Jordan's career, when uh, the Bulls were, were crap, the Bulls were horrible, um, he, this man averaged, like, 37 points a game, I believe, in his rookie year. Like, I mean, his ability to carry that team, and, you know, obviously they didn't win, you know, but uh, he he did a lot. And another thing, another case I have uh, for I, I, I'm uh, on Team MJ um, is uh, this little stat I found called wind shares. Now uh, this is it's pretty simple. It's basically a little calculation on how many wins a player earns for their team during the course of a year. Uh, Michael Jordan um, during what many say was his best year, his MVP campaign uh, from uh, ninety to ninety one. Um, he had 20.3 win shares. LeBron had uh, one less, 19.3. And that's not a huge thing. But um, when you look at the course of Michael's career versus the course of LeBron's, Michael hovered near 20 his whole career. That was the only time LeBron was even close to averaging uh, near 20 win shares. And, you know, that's just one stat, you know. Michael was a better scorer. Um, you know, he fit that role better, obviously, you know. And I think you could make the argument that uh, LeBron is the best all-around player of all time. But I think when it comes to having a job and doing it well, I think Michael Jordan had a job of um, carrying the Bulls by scoring a ton of points and uh, just being super competitive. And I think, I think Michael Jordan was better at his job than LeBron James. Okay, I mean, I, I see where you guys are coming from, but I just kind of want to touch on this and then uh, we'll move on. Um, when you guys say, you know, Jordan had to face tougher competition, don't you think that the Golden State Warriors, who are regarded as possibly better... Yeah, he better, lost to the Golden better, State Warriors also. He lost and he, also he, he only beat them once. Only beat them once. 
with the Cavaliers, though. You can't say that he had easier opponents. Yeah, with the Cavaliers. That was a good team. Kyrie making that shot. Kyrie did a lot. Kevin Love did a lot. And you can say he had easier opponents. But the ba- the bad boy Pistons were insane. I mean, the, I mean, I have a stat here saying that Michael Jordan, his team, the, his opponents in the playoffs, average wins were 53.54 compared to LeBron James, 51.77, which isn't a lot. But then you look at their average net rating, and it is Michael Jordan's playoff opponent team is uh, around five, while LeBron is around is around three and a half, which also isn't a lot. But it's multiple stats that show that. And also, you look at Jordan's just competitiveness. I mean, he would make stuff up to motivate himself. He literally, there's a story, this guy uh, in the playoffs, I'm blanking on his name, but he said at the end of the game when they just beat the Bulls, hey, good game, Mike. And Mike was like, oh, I'm going to show him next game. Next game, he dropped 50. He admitted he made the whole thing up. The guy didn't say a word. He was psychotic about winning. He was an animal. All he wanted to do was win, and all he did was win. He went 6-0 and in the finals. He had two three-peats, just a mental and physical greatness of Michael Jordan. No one comes near. Well, yeah, I um, wonder, um, what would it take for LeBron to be regarded as better? Would it take a documentary that, you know— just shows how competitive he is because I guarantee you his competitiveness. But he's not. Is, he's not. How, no how one's know? as competitive because no one is. Well, Michael does not lose in the finals. Michael didn't lose, and he would will his team to greatness because you know LeBron is not. It would come out if LeBron was bullying his teammates in this day and age. That would come out. That would be reported. And I think just Michael just. I mean, LeBron's lost in the finals a ton. Michael's never lost. Never lost in the finals. LeBron has three rings. Michael has six. That that's a big deal. Um. Yeah. I I just want to um kind of go back to the point about um the uh, you know the competition that Michael and LeBron was uh were facing. You know, I I I don't think it's fair to say that the Bad Boy Pistons were a better team than the Warriors. No, LeBron they're not. They're the not finals. a better team than the Warriors. They're not. I mean, the, that Warriors team won 72 games. They didn't win the finals. Still one of the best teams of all time. 73 you know? games, yeah. Or 73. Uh, oh, my bad. Yeah, 73-9. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I think when you look at it, though, it, it's not about the amount of wins or how good all around the team was. The NBA was just – it was a different ball game. Yeah, you know, yeah, the ref referees would not be calling as many fouls. You know, that was pretty much a fact. Um, you know, uh, the bad boy Pistons were physical. That's what made them hard. It was a much more physical place, and which made it harder to score points. Which is why what Michael did was uh, so di- uh, so difficult. Uh, or you want to go on to your segment here? Oh, it looks like it looks like we. We lost Ori, uh, his Wi-Fi cut out. So me and Sammy are just gonna gonna go on here to um to. I just want I want to talk about something real quick. Uh, we just um, I see people all the time wearing masks in their cars with no one else in their car. Oh, Ori is back. So I will actually I, am back. I will oh, actually sorry, get guys. on to what I was talking about just in one minute. But first, we have Ori's segment which is very interesting, very funny segment. So, Ori, you want to go ahead and share what the segment is? Okay, yeah. So, uh, to kind of decompress after that uh, heated discussion, um, we're going to go into some something I like to call Ori's 
Amazon reviews. So I'm going to Amazon. I'm going to pick one crazy, funny, stupid product, and um, and we're gonna check out some of the reviews. So today's product is bacon scented mustaches. Apparently, a hotter and hotter commodity as quarantine rolls along. Um, just to go uh, through some of the reviews here. Um, I bought this for a vegan friend that mentioned to me that he sometimes missed eating real bacon. Now he wears this every morning. So, obviously, uh, you know, this isn't a perfect product. It's got a 3.8 out of 5, which I thought was good enough to bring onto the show. This is sadly not a sponsorship, but if they do... We only do high-quality products here. (laughs) Yeah. Only only the highest. Only... (laughs) Free ads. Free ads here for bacon mustaches. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Now... I looked into it. It is, you know, some people don't like the smell, but I think they're just haters. I think you should definitely go out, buy one, spice up your quarantine life. Um, with bacon-scented mustaches. With, now, with, bacon this, sen- with bacon-scented mustaches. Now, yeah. Is this like a reusable mustache, or do you have to buy like a, a six-pack of them? Okay, well, um, now, I was looking into it. It's only four ninety nine, and a lot of people said it fell off right when it came out of the package. <laughs> so uh, I'm guessing it's a one time use, but I definitely think okay. this. That's a shame. Um, I'm gonna have to. Uh, some more. I'm gonna have to make a stockpile um, of bacon scented mustaches. Yeah, quarantine big bacon must scented mustaches. But let's go on here to this story I was telling before Ori came back, which was I see so many idiots in the car with their masks on. No one else in the car. They have the masks on in the car. And then as soon as they get out of the car, they're like, oh, it's so hot. I got to take these masks off. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, people think the cars are going to give them coronavirus and the people are not. It's unbelievable. Have you guys been experiencing this also? Well, um, you know, I, I, I can't get mad at people for wearing a mask. If they want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I'm not getting what mad. What I can I get mad stupidity. at. What I can't get mad at people for is not wearing a mask. And, you know, that's just where I just think it, it comes to stupidity. You know, a mask as, you know, if you've been hearing anything ever said on the news, a mask isn't really to protect yourself. It's to, to protect the people around you. Yeah. So if you're not wearing one, um, it, I, I, you know, in public, you know, you don't have to like wear one at the house if there's no one over, you know, but, um, yeah, if you're not wearing a mask, I, I just think it shows uh, selfishness. Um, and I, I think here in Maryland, I believe that it's like a law you have to wear one. I'm not 100% Yeah, sure. to go into like the giant or the grocery stores. Yeah. But uh, I think we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, Sam, you have any uh, last things you want to say? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just super, super excited to, you know, have a place to just, you know, kind of talk about sports and uh, have people hear it. You know, I love talking about sports so you know may as well you know and talk be talking with general. you guys and do it on a podcast <laughs> and talking in general i think we can all about <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um yeah but um yeah talking's fun podcasts are awesome super excited to be doing this uh so yeah super excited for future episodes Ori, any last words uh yeah i mean i'm not dying so they won't be my last words but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i I mean this this was actually really really fun Uh, i hope you guys enjoyed it this is our first podcast ever so make sure to follow us at chatter 
underscore cheap seats pod and uh, tune in for future episodes. Uh, yeah, just to wrap things up here, uh, you can uh, find us um, on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Anchor as of now. Hopefully, uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts soon. Uh, like Ori said, you can follow us on Instagram at chatter underscore cheap seats pod. Uh, please go give us a follow on that. It would mean a lot. We upload every single Tuesday and Friday. Uh, this week, it's going to be a little different because we had some technical difficulties yesterday while we're trying to upload. So we're going to upload today on a Wednesday, and then there's going to be a good chance we upload also on a Friday morning or a Friday afternoon. But um, but for the most part, from now on, we're going to upload every Tuesday morning. Immediately, you, you wake up, go on to Spotify. You'll find us there every Tuesday and Friday morning. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to say thanks for watching. It really means a lot from all three of us. I hope you watch next time. And see you guys. Bye.